0: It's so good to be with you guys this evening. We have quite a story in front of us, quite a lot of scripture to get through, quite a lot of theology to do uh, this evening. We're in the book of Acts. We're doing a whole series um, called A House House of Acts, and uh, how we actually, at at Saints Hill, we want to become a house of Acts. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to the book of Acts. Uh, That's in the New Testament. If you're um, unfamiliar with uh, the Bible, there's a handy little table of contents in the beginning uh, of the Bible, and you can find it's in the second kind of half of the Bible called the New Testament, and it goes Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and then you get to the book of Acts. We're um, making our way through this book uh, verse by verse. We haven't done this uh, before here at Saints Hill. Um, but we're making our way through it verse by verse, um, not so that we can get more knowledge about the Bible, but so that we can see more action in our lives. I heard somebody say once that they are tired of doing Bible studies, they want to do Bible doings. I'm like, I want both. I want to know it, and I want to do it. How many of you guys understand that what we have in front of us isn't just true, it's livable? It's livable. It's not just a true document that we have in front of us, an accurate historical account, but what we have in front of us, it actually is an invitation to step into the impossible. There are people outside of these doors this evening who are not here with us this tonight, and they are longing, they're wondering, they're questioning, could there be more? And we are the people formed by the word who prove to them, yes, there's more. That's why we're reading the book of Acts. Um. As we read through the rest of this book of Acts, we're going to see almost every single story point back to the one that we're going to read this evening. So, Acts chapter 2, verse 1. Let's jump in. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, Phrygia, and Pamphylia, Egypt, and parts of Libya, near Cyrene? Visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs, he really meant all nations. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've had too much wine. Now, what is happening in this story Ever been confused by this story? Ever heard a theology created around this story, and you're like, really? Is that what's going on there? Well, if you remember um, back to chapter 1, Jesus promised that this would happen in Acts 1, verse 4. Jesus said this, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John, remember John? Well, he baptized with water. But in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Wait before you do anything. Your life is to be marked by waiting for the Holy Spirit. And we read in verse four, look down at verse four. What does it say? All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now, the question is, who is they? (laughs) They were all together. Well, if you remember in the Bible, we have chapter breaks, but these weren't, there were no chapter breaks originally. So the they in chapter two is the they in chapter one. Look at verse 24 of, of chapter one. It says this, Then they prayed, Lord, you know everyone's heart. Show us which of these two you have chosen to take over this apostolic ministry, which Judas left to go where he belongs. Then they cast lots, and the lot fell to Matthias. So he was added to the 11 apostles. Who's they? It's the 11 apostles and Matthias right, and what, what's going on is the apostles are together in Jerusalem. They're just kind of waiting. I, I, was, I, was, I went back over this text, and I was like, were they doing anything? Were they praying? Were they like worshiping? What, what were they doing? It just says that they were all together in a place waiting, and all of a sudden, wind blows through the room. It'd be like if there was just a gust of wind that blew through this room. Holy Spirit, do it. That would be awesome. Gust of wind blows through the room, and fire comes down and it rests on the heads of the apostles. Now, it, there's, been, there's so many paintings to choose from, but it could have looked something like this. Just take that in for a moment. Just this, it would be bewildering. You would, first of all, we'd all go, the fire alarm? Is it going to work? Like, what's going on here? But fire comes down into the space where they are after this wind blows through. Now, what is wind and what is fire? Symbolically in the Bible, what does wind represent? What does fire represent? Well, wind is the breath of God. How do I know that? Well, Jesus said this in John three. Wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. In the beginning, God breathes. He breathes air into people and. Their, their spirit comes alive. It says in in the Psalms, you, t- you give your spirit. In other words, and translate in in Greek, it's or in Hebrew, it's you give your breath and people live. You take your breath away and people die. Now, um, what is fire? What is fire? Well, often, fire did a few different things in the scriptures, but fire would come down and it would consume the sacrifice on uh, the altar, right? The priests get together, they put their sacrifice on the altar. Maybe you remember the uh, story of Elijah and the uh, fighting the prophets of Baal, and uh, he, he calls fire down from heaven onto the sacrifice. It consumes a sacrifice. It burns up a sacrifice. Fire was also something that cleanses. It, it cleaned Isaiah. Remember, Isaiah comes to the Lord, he says, here am I, send me, and a, in a, a seraphim comes and gets a burning coal and it cleanses his lips so that he can speak prophetically to the people of Israel. Uh, what else does fire do? Well, it, remember the pillar of fire that led the Israelites out of, uh, out of uh, Egypt? Fire guides in the Old Testament. So even what visually is taking place in, in our minds as we read this is that God is manifesting himself in material ways that he's manifested himself down throughout history. And I love the language. They were filled, anointed with fire, filled with wind. The Spirit of Jesus is given to them for the first time. And notice what happens they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So, Holy Spirit comes. Represented with wind and fire, and all of a sudden, they begin speaking in other languages. This makes such a commotion that people start to gather around them on the street, and this is a big deal, because there's a ton of Jews from all over the world who have come to Jerusalem for this weekend, for this week, in order to celebrate the holiday of Pentecost. There's Jews from Rome, and Cappadocia, and Asia, and and you read the list, right? Now, let me suggest something to you from from just the very get-go. What we're reading in Acts chapter 2 is the reversal of what happened in Genesis 11 at Babel. What we're reading in Acts chapter 2 is a reversal of Babel. You guys remember Babel. Remember, humanity gets together. They have one language, and they're very organized, apparently. They build this monument to themselves in order to do what? They say, we want to make a name for ourselves, And it's really really amazing. It's like, but you already have a name. You were already made in the image of a creator. No, forget that. We want to get our own identity from our work. It's the first time we ever see in humanity, humanity instead of working from an identity, but working for an identity. So what we're seeing here is we're seeing the reversal of that. We're seeing God giving them the Holy Spirit uniting them, getting rid of the barriers of language, and what happens when the barriers of language go away, he then gives them a mission, we're gonna read it for the rest of the book of Acts, but he gives them a mission to not make a name for themselves, but to make a name for him. And we're here in 2019, still talking about him. It's very powerful. Now, um, it's not by accident that the Spirit comes on the holiday of Pentecost. There's a historical context uh, to Pentecost. Pentecost, or in Hebrew, Shavuot. Can you guys say that with me? Shavuot. It uh, did pretty good. Um, also marks the time. It's in remembrance of the time where Israel, or the Jews, were given the Torah on Mount Sinai. So this is very symbolic. Because... In this chapter, a new law is being given. They're here to celebrate being given an old law, and what happens? They get a new law. Remember, Jeremiah, the prophet, he said this. This is the covenant I will make with the people of Israel. After that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. So here's what we have. We have three different things converging in this text. Next slide. We have the gift of God coming. Jesus promised, I'm giving you a gift. I'm gonna give you a helper. I'm not sending you out alone. I'm giving you my spirit, the spirit of Jesus, so that you can do what I did. Second thing that's happening in this chapter is a new law is being written on human hearts, God with every person. Rather than there being this external law that we have to check in with every day, check in with every moment, God has actually given us an internal law, a spirit-driven conscience that helps us make decisions in wisdom rather than in disaster. Lastly, it's the reversal of Babel. Unity with others, not based on cultural commonality, but the centrality of the Spirit and making a name for God universally. This is like the crux of why we're here tonight, because of this moment. Now, when I read this text, if, if I'm honest, um, I think it's amazing. I love it. But because of the history of the American church with the Holy Spirit, I have some questions. Can we talk about my questions tonight? Good, thank you, I appreciate that. Here's my questions for us this evening. The first is this. Well, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is this helper? Biblically speaking, you know, it's like, I feel like we have read, if you just read chronologically or, or you know through the Bible textually, you're like, Jesus, 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 Jesus. You get four... Uh, what I like to call documentaries of the life of Jesus and you get really comfortable with him and then all of a sudden it's like, Jesus is gone, he's like, don't worry, there's a, there's a helper coming. Like, who's this helper? What is the role of the Holy Spirit? Well, let's take a little stroll down narrative lane, okay? Okay. Uh, the Spirit participated in creation. If you're taking notes, write that down. The Holy Spirit participated in creation. In Genesis chapter one, verse two, we see that the Spirit is hovering over the waters. And in a sense, what then, what then happens, it's almost like the Holy Spirit is um, overseeing the work of creation. John chapter one tells us that jesus it was through Jesus that everything was made, but we, we have Trinity the, theology, a Trinitarian theology, which says that the, wherever Jesus is, God is, and wherever God is, the Holy Spirit is, and wherever the Holy Spirit is, Jesus is, right? So the Spirit is there hovering over the waters and almost overseeing the work of creation, Genesis says that God gives people life by breathing into their nostrils the breath of life in Genesis two, verse seven. And like I said earlier, the word for breath is the same word translated elsewhere as spirit. So what are we seeing? We're seeing God in creation, he breathes his spirit into people and that's where the life comes from. That's where the life comes from. Uh, We see this also repeated in the New Testament, John chapter 20, Jesus says this, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. So in the same way you received a spirit back then, in Adam and Eve, there was a little bit of a slip up there, and now I'm giving you my breath again, I'm giving you my spirit again. Now why breath? Why breath? Why breath and spirit? Why do those things, why does the spirit seem to do what God's breath does and vice versa in the scriptures? Well, isn't it obvious? Breath is the animating factor in every living being. In every living being. His spirit is meant to be the animating principle in you, keeping you alive, expanding your lungs, helping you not just exist, but really live. So the Holy Spirit has been there from the beginning, causing life. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is given to build godly structures and to do creative work. The Holy Spirit is given to build godly structures and do creative work. Now, um, in theology, there's this idea of the rule of first mention. Maybe if if some of you guys study theology, you've heard of this. But basically, the idea is this. The first time something is mentioned in the Bible is very important because that first time, in whatever instance that word or concept is used, um, that that context helps define the image, helps define the word, helps define the the idea. So the very first time, in all of the Bible, that we see anyone get filled, notice the language, get filled with the Holy Spirit, is in Exodus 31, and notice what's happening. Then the Lord said to Moses, see, I have chosen Bezalel, son of Uri, the son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, and I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to to do what? To make artistic designs for work in gold, silver and bronze, to cut and to set stones, to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Now, why? Because they're building a temple. They're building a place for God to come and dwell. So literally... The first time the spirit is given to a human, it's given to an artist to design the structure of the temple and to decorate it. You think God cares about beauty? (laughs) Me too. You want to make great art? Don't look around you, ask the Holy Spirit. He's the first one to come to an artist and to inspire creative work. Now, sometimes uh, we split creative work from logical structures. Like there's some people that are very logical and they think in in mathematics and in lines and all that stuff. And then there's other people who are very creative and they're always thinking of the new way to express something and the new way to communicate something and, and to draw something and to make something. And we go, there's some people like that and there's some people like that. But how many of you guys understand that the Holy Spirit does both? God inspires structures that he intends to fill. Let's try that again. God inspires structures that he intends to fill. He doesn't just, he doesn't go like, yeah, I'm with the creatives. Like, sometimes you can come to a church like ours and it's like, man, the Holy Spirit only happens in the spontaneous. Whoa. Actually, at the beginning, he inspired somebody who was building a structure. And trust me, the structure wasn't spontaneous. It was planned. So you may be here this evening and you may be more of the mindset or of the gifting of, I, I want to build structures. I want to engineer. I want to do things that are linear and I, and I want to apply myself in that way. Well, guess what? The, the God, the Holy Spirit is going to come to you. He's going to inspire you to de- develop structures that he can then fill. Some of you are creative. You're an artist. You love to paint. You love to draw. I, that's, this is more me, actually. God wants to inspire your art. I've often uh, thought that so much art, as we look out there and just the culture, so much art connects so deeply with the depre- with depression or sadness, or you know, it's it's very rare that you see a piece of art that was meant to give you joy. It was normally you see, you know, even movies we, that give us joy, we we're like, that eh, was kind of cheesy. We're like, I want that movie that's like really makes me think and go, and at the end, the main character doesn't get what they always dreamed of, and you're like, oh wow, okay. The reason why that's, the the reason why that is so accessible, is because we live in a world. Uh, that not everybody has been made aware or alive to the joy of the Lord. Joy is more powerful than depression. Light is more powerful than darkness. And I can't wait, I hope that our church plays a role in raising up artists who express joy over depression, who connect us with the goodness of God rather than questions. And aren't questions good? No, questions are fine, but they have an answer. And all of God's promises find their yes and amen in Jesus Christ. All right. Okay. <laughs> it's not random that the chapter before chapter two, we read about a leadership getting their structure correct. And Donnie was here at, uh, up here last week, and he was sharing how before the Holy Spirit comes, what happens? They get a leadership structure in place. Why? Because God intends to fill our structures. Next, uh, and lastly, the Holy Spirit speaks the words of God. The Spirit plays a prominent role in Old Testament prophecy. David declared uh, this in 2 Samuel 23. The Spirit of the Lord spoke by me, and his word was on my tongue. The Holy Spirit wants to speak by you. He wants his word to be on your tongue. And we see this repeated time and time again all throughout the Old Testament. We don't have uh, enough time to go to all of the moments. So, so, So get this, when this helper comes, when they get baptized by the Holy Spirit, when anybody who professes Jesus, you're my king, we should expect that the Holy Spirit will do these three things at least. Become the center of our lives and make us live on his breath, cause creative work to be done in the building of structures for him to fill, and cause us to speak God's words. This is what the third person of the Trinity has done down through the ages. This is the Holy Spirit. This is the Spirit of Jesus. Second question. That was just the first, sorry. Second question. Is this what people mean when they talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Oh yeah, we're going there. (laughs) Is this what people are talking about? when they talk about, I wanna be baptized in the Holy Spirit. I mean, didn't Jesus say, wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? And then this happened in chapter two, it's almost like this filling was a baptism, right? The, the question is, is this, is what we see in Acts chapter two an experience that is separate from being dunked by the pastor? Because there's no, I don't know if you caught that, there's wind, there's fire, there's no water. (laughs) Okay? So some have come to believe, from reading this text, that just because you were baptized into Christ doesn't mean that you actually have the Holy Spirit. You need a separate experience with the Holy Spirit. And what has happened is essentially there is, has become in the capital C church a separate class within the church um, where there are those who have simply received Jesus as king, been baptized into the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and there are those who have done all of the above but they've also had a fire falling moment, a wind moment in their lives. Well, it's, it's a lot to think about and just to be honest, I'm learning right alongside you as I read this text, but here's some scriptures that I just want us to look at, um, and I want us to just kind of sort through some of this. So put the, the, the theology cap on, and I just kind of want to sort through, because I think it's, it's important for us to have a clear understanding of how the Holy Spirit works. Now, um, this story is going to be familiar to some of you. This is in Acts 19. Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples and asked them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, no. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. <laughs> what? How did that happen? That's like, This is like 20 years after this moment. It's like, whoa. I could use some Twitter back then. So Paul asked, well, then what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. Okay? So, pause. What's being said is this. John's baptism doesn't give you the Holy Spirit. We know that from this, right? They got John's baptism, they didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit, okay? So it really doesn't give you the Holy Spirit. What John's baptism did, John's baptism said, God, I recognize I'm not in line with you, I want to get right with you, so I repent. Jesus' baptism, what does it do? It gives you the Holy Spirit. Very interesting. Now, trust me, we're about to get even more confused, so just bear with me for a second, because we also have an example in the book of Acts, Of people who had the Holy Spirit but weren't baptized. No joke. Acts chapter 10. All the circumcised believers who came with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Then Peter answered, Surely no one can refuse the water for these to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit, just as we did. Can he? And he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. How do you get the Holy Spirit? (laughs) Because like some people, they got John's baptism, didn't, get the, didn't even know there was a Holy Spirit. Some people didn't even know there was baptism and they got the Holy Spirit. How does this work? Now, let's confuse things even more. Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 13. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink. Of one spirit. Now, what I think Paul is talking about here is the spirit played a role in uniting us to Christ, in our conversion, in getting born again. So for, just pause for a moment. The Holy Spirit unites us to Christ, comes on people before baptism, and comes on people in baptism. That's what we know so far. So then when Jesus says this, next slide. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. I don't think what he's talking about here is that, you're hey disciples, in, in a few days from now, you're going to get baptized by the Holy Spirit and you're going to be converted from unbelief to belief in this baptism that they're supposed to wait for in Jerusalem. I think that the author Luke sees the apostles in this chapter as genuine born-again believers before the promised baptism during Pentecost actually happens. Okay, now here's some, we're gonna start getting into the clear part. Okay, clarity's coming. Luke describes the first baptism of the Spirit as being filled and this gives us a little bit of a clue. Look down at verse four, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So Jesus says you're gonna get baptized and Luke says they got filled. For the New Testament author Luke, baptism in the Holy Spirit and a filling of the Holy Spirit are overlapping realities. They mean the same thing. Now throughout the book of Acts, the term filled with the Spirit is repeated all over the place, and it is an experience in the believer's life all the time, not just one-time experience, not just a one-time thing. In fact, you have Paul on Cyprus in Acts 13, so later on in the story, years and years later, where he's about to speak, he's about to share the gospel, and it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit baptized with the Holy Spirit, and then he has an extraordinary power to deal with the magician that is there on the island. Here's my best guess. Like I said, I'm learning alongside you guys. Here's my best guess is that Jesus was saying this. I want you to know this experience, this baptism, as you head out to evangelize the world because you will need to rely on the Holy Spirit every day. I want you to know what it's like to have the Holy Spirit fill you up because you're gonna need to get filled again. The point is not a specific order of events that we gotta get right, but that we should desire the Holy Spirit's filling every day. Of all people, here's John Piper taking this one. This is just awesome. (laughs) It would be a mistake to limit baptism in the Holy Spirit to a single second event after conversion. The kind of empowering that we receive in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an experience that we need again and again. It is right, I think, to ask for a fresh baptism. I say, oh God, I need a fresh baptism. I need a fresh anointing. I need a fresh filling. I need a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit. Come on. That's what we need. So here's what we know so far. Next slide. Here's what we know so far. The experience of a spirit baptism may come in an unusual, decisive experience after conversion. A day after, a week after, a year after, or a minute after. Followed by subsequent outpourings or fillings or baptisms of the Holy Spirit periodically throughout life. Or that experience, getting filled with the Holy Spirit, may come... At the very moment of conversion, followed by lifelong subsequent experiences of empowering in the Holy Spirit, it may come in various ways and fillings and blessings throughout a lifetime that are just unpredictable and various. I love this quote, and I, I just want to end this point with this idea. And Lord, would you just give us this kind of heart? This is from Smith Wigglesworth. Do not rest satisfied with any lesser experience than the baptism the disciples received on the day of Pentecost. Let me just say that over you. Do not rest satisfied with any lesser experience than what we just read. I'm not satisfied with what I've I've experienced at this point. I want more. Then move on to a life of continuous receiving of more and more of the blessed spirit of God. God wants to flow through you with measureless power of divine utterance and grace till your whole body is a flame of fire. God intends each soul in Pentecost to be a live wire, not a monument, but a movement. That's what we're after. I don't know when it's gonna happen. I I don't know any of that. I just want more. I just want more. So here's my heart for Saints Hill Church from a text like this. There is more. I can't, we, didn't, we don't like talk about like what Jake is gonna say when he gets up here or Daniel or Andoni or, or any of that. Like, but did you hear how many times there's more? There's more. For some of you, um, each Sunday that you come to our church, your comfort zone is pushed. <laughs> For some of you, you just came this Sunday and you're like, um, what? <laughs> <laughs> Look, I see you. I see you, I understand. It's challenging. It's, uh, in some ways, it, it's not my norm. It was, definitely wasn't the norm that I grew up in. But I just want to tell you, God rewards pioneers, and you are, pray, you are paying a price, at the very least internally, just to be here. I honor you. Thanks for taking a risk with us. We don't see this as this, we don't call this our, our Sunday service. We call this our gathering, because this is an opportunity for us to get in the laboratory again and just try new things with the Lord. Um, we're not, I'm not a performer, that's not my job, my job is to be a son on fire for my king and to just say, hey, this is what's possible, come on in, this is what's possible. Um, Jake isn't a performer, we're not performers. I know that the stage makes it seem like we're performers, but I'm just, I'm, I'm just a guy who just loves the Lord, okay? Um, and, and what we're here to do is we're here to go deep in the Lord to see, to see that we don't miss out on our destiny. I think that there's a danger for many people uh, that they mislive. They get to the end of their lives, and what God had actually stored up for them, they got maybe 10% or 20% or 30% of it, but they didn't step into all of it. And the reason why, generally speaking, is that death to self is very difficult. I understand that if you're here and this is a challenging environment, I know there's many Fox Kids here, I know that you have friends who are like, Saint Hill, are you kidding me? That place is crazy. Uh, I, I know that, I've heard it, like, but I don't really, like, I can't, when we started this church we said, yes, no matter the cost. <laughs> so we're a church that says yes, no matter the cost. And the funny thing about that is that when you give your yes, sometimes you don't even know what the cost is going to be. And so all of a sudden, you have people who are talking trash about you, and you're like, I didn't know I was saying yes to that. And you're like, oh, yeah, I gave my yes. Okay, yes, I'll pay the cost again. So so just, I mean, if you're new, full disclosure, we're a church that says yes no matter the cost. It's probably going to cost you something to be a part of this family. I don't know even where I was supposed to be going with all of that. That's just... There it is. Um, For some of you, this is very familiar, and you're sitting here and you're like, and I've gone further. I've gone deeper. And I want to go deeper than we've gone here. And, And I would just say to you, unity of the Spirit is kept as we walk in step with the Spirit, not trying to jump ahead to what we've tasted before, but asking God, what is the unique thing that you wanna lead this family into right now? See, I, I, am, I am interested in people coming to us as leaders and saying, I, I'm sensing something out there, and I think that we need to step into that as a family. Love it. What I'm not interested in is you going, hey, um, when's the church gonna get their act together and just start doing this thing? It's like, well, first of all, if you see the church not doing something, you're a part of the church. So if, if you're not doing it, I guess we're not doing it because you are the church. So it's important for us to go, okay, wh- okay it's not just me. There, the Lord will be leading you individually in your, on your own journey, and your own path. But the important thing is to go, God, where are you leading this family that I'm a part of? Help me stay in step with you as we stay in step with you. Regardless of where you are at, I want to say that there is more. Um, I I remember, uh, gosh, this is like four years ago now or so, three years ago, um, when uh, Bridgetown Church, this is the church that helped us plant, um, I was a pastor on staff there for a while, and I remember when we uh, started the Holy Spirit series. John Mark had seen um, churches that really... Um, hosted God's presence well in such a way uh, that he's like, I've never seen it done without kind of weirdness. And I I want that in our church. And so I remember he um, began to go through this series on the Holy Spirit. And and my wife and I, just to be honest, we were like, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. That's weird. That's weird stuff. I don't know about that. And then eventually I became the pastor of prayer. So that was also weird. It's kind of ironic how the Lord does that. But... um, uh, see, I had only seen, like, power or the Holy Spirit or whatever it was abused in church. I hadn't really had a good example of, of, like, is the Holy Spirit the Spirit of Jesus or is that just some weird power thing that you, like, whack people with your coat with or you, like, you know, you, you, you kind of push them down and they fall over? Like, I, I don't even know what that is. It's just kind of strange to me. Um, and, and, and I remember just thinking, is this something different than what I've experienced? Because I've had just, like, a closeness with you, Lord. But... Um, uh, is that the same thing over there? Because because what we have, it doesn't look like what they have, okay. And and in this whole season of 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 uh, really just like understanding, like what well, what is the role of the Holy Spirit and what does the Holy Spirit do and what are you know what are I think I think the um, wow, well, uh, <laughs> I think that the issue that many of us have with the Holy Spirit is actually not with the Holy Spirit, it's with the character of God. We wonder, are you really good? Do you really have my best interest in mind? Are you really safe? And so then when we see God's power manifest in a place, we go, well, I'm not sure about his character, so I definitely am not sure about his power. And so I think it's very important for us to continue to renew our minds based on the truth and the goodness of God. It's our first value um, at our church. But I realized two things in this season. The first is this. Um, I just hadn't put language to what the Holy Spirit had been doing in my life for years. Like, I was already, like, I remember I would, when I first started following Jesus, I remember I'd read the Bible, and you've, have you ever just been reading the Bible, just like, verses are jumping off, and you're like, highlighting, you're like, oh my gosh, that's gonna mark me for the rest of my life. That's not just a piece of paper, it type on it, like, something just jumped out, grabbed me, and now my life is marked in a direction. I would have that happen. I remember I would, I'd be up in my room worshiping. I had to get my guitar out. And I would just like the power, the glory of God. I don't know what you want to call it. just It just fell in, in my bedroom as a young man. And I would just be like under the weight of God for hours. Um, I remember that I would uh, just be going about my day. I'd, I'd be at Fox and, and walk in through the cafeteria or, or the Bruin Center or whatever, and I would just have like, words come into my head, like thoughts about the people around me. I'm like, oh, that's a nice thing. I should share it with them. And I was like, I, I didn't know, like, oh, I'm encountering the Holy Spirit. The Logos is becoming Rhema, it's grabbing my heart. Like, I'm prophesying the words of God. I didn't have the language for it, but I was doing it. And this is the truth for many of us here this evening sometimes the language, we go, oh, that sounds so serious, and, and we're going to continue to, as a church, like, unearth more of, like, what does the Spirit do, especially as we go through this book, and, and, and what, what language do we put around the actions of the Spirit in my life, but the reality is this, is that every born-again believer has the Holy Spirit, and, and it's just, and, and if you're not sensing him in your life, it's not that you don't have him, it's just that maybe you haven't been recognizing him, and turning to him, and going, oh, I actually want you to speak to me, Holy Spirit, you're the Spirit of Jesus, if I read what, when I, what I read about Jesus, I love, I'm going gonna love you. Okay, come and do, do this work that I see in the scriptures in my life. That's the first thing that I realized. The second thing that I realized is this. I wouldn't experience more of God if I remained in control. I wouldn't experience more of God if I remained in control. I remember coming to this point where I was just so dry in this season, so dry. Um, that eventually my hunger for God outweighed the questions that I had about what the Spirit would choose to do in me or through me. It's like, I got questions, sure, yeah, I got, I got questions, but it outweighs my hunger for more. It outweighs my hunger for you, God. Look, there, there are things in this book that don't make Western post-Enlightenment logical sense. Um, e- even after this massive move of God, right, like the thing they've been waiting for for thousands of years... The whole world isn't converted in a moment because they witness, oh, the Holy Spirit came. No, people say, oh, they're probably drunk. <laughs> Surrender the Holy Spirit will likely cause people to make fun of you. It just will. It's part of the cost that we pay to follow Christ. I mean, um, you know, Kanye's new album came out and uh, woo, um, Kanye's new album came out and it's awesome, but you, you uh, read what people are saying about it and they're just so mad. They're just so angry. It's like, you didn't say that about Jesus. You didn't say that about the last couple albums, but now you're saying it about this one? Oh, it's not not about the music. It's about somebody living for Christ that is offensive. And um, look, that's just it. You get the Holy Spirit, and people are gonna make fun of you. It's just the truth. But you don't get participation in a mass global move of redeeming souls, emptying graves, and robbing the devil without surrender to the Holy Spirit. So let's surrender. You don't get Acts three through 28 without Acts two. So if we say, I want the Holy Spirit in my life, but I don't wanna be weird. I don't wanna look weird, God. I don't want things to get out of, out of hand here and, 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 and violate my understanding. I don't wanna like have to kneel at church or maybe raise my hands or, or maybe shake uncontrollably or maybe laugh too much or, 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 or speak in a different tongue. Let's be honest. If that's our hearts, that's not a desire for order, it's a desire for control. We gave up our right for control when we came broken to the cross and stared into the eyes of Jesus. We gave up our right to control when we came broken to the cross and stared into the eyes of Jesus and said, Can you forgive me for this? Can you make me whole from this? I also know that there is a history in our country of people faking healing. This has been a criticism of even our church. There's been people in town who have been like, ah, they just, you guys are faking healing. Look, I promise you right now, the last thing that we wanna do here is hype anything up. It's like, in our culture, our staff culture is like, no hype, no hype. I don't, I, don't need, I don't need to see a healing for me to reinforce my theology. I don't believe God based on what I see, I believe based on what's true, and then I walk in that. People fake uh, the Holy Spirit falling on them. They do, and I don't always know why that happens. I, I suppose some are maybe protecting their theology or wishing for the experience so badly that they just fudge it a little bit, but look, people only counterfeit something that has deep value just because there's fake money out there doesn't mean that we don't use money. <laughs> Wigglesworth said, just because I don't understand how electricity works doesn't mean I don't flick on the lights. Um, I've heard that the treasury, uh, they, they, they train their employees to, de, to, decipher, to determine you know, what's a fake and what's real. And um, what, what they do, they don't study all the counterfeits, they study the real thing. They don't spend their time trying to figure out, oh, there's a counterfeit like this, and there's a counterfeit like this, and there's a counterfeit like this, and there's a counterfeit. They just go, no, 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 I'm just obsessed with the real thing. I'm focusing on the real thing. I'm, 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 I'm seeing how the lines are like that, and how the, the holographic thing is like that, and I'm, I'm turning it over, and, I, and I'm studying it. Saints Hill Church, let's be the church that doesn't care about the counterfeits as much as we care about the real thing. There will be counterfeits, but the counterfeits are not to like bolster some weird like Saints Hill agenda or anything like that. The counterfeits are from people who are hurting and they need the Lord. Just, just like their desire for the Lord, we should pray that they get truly filled. But we should, it should not touch our desire for the real thing. God is real; He moves today. I don't need to dial it up. We need to wait. The fakes that I see make me hungrier for the real thing. Okay, that's probably enough for tonight. Let's all stand up together.